It's Monday. You've heard the Sunday Sermon, but how do you apply it to your daily life? Connect Director Michael Miller is here to help you think through our discussion questions. So, let's get ready for Michael! What's up, everybody? Welcome to Mondays with Michael. Sitting here with Pastor Jonah, still the man, the myth, the legend, my big brother. Um, Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, So... Man, I've, I've seen something in you today that I haven't really seen before. Yeah. Um, kind of in the middle of the sermon, you got really emotional. And, and I, I don't know if it was tied to the moment that you said, like, have you ever woke up one morning and you felt your relationships were one-sided? And I wanted to ask. Yeah. Yes, I felt that way. Um, and with the Matthew's gospel, there's so many stories. And I find myself, in the when we can focus on just a chunk is trying to take some time to say, who do I identify with here? Or is there an emotion that I identify with? It helps me feel more connected to the text. And the, the heartbreak that must have been present when Jesus comes back and finds all of his friends sleeping. Um, and I really resonated with that. I mean, not, obviously not to the same degree, but there was a, a period of time where in just a few years, I had three really key relationships that they all decided to stop talking to me and not wow. ambiguously, you know, the, they said, hey, you're too much for me and wow. I, can't, I can't be here for you anymore. And we just stopped talking. And uh, I remember I went to therapy over it among yeah. other issues and I was, I was crying to my therapist and he was like, it sounds like your friends give you everything you ask them for, Jonah. And I was like, but they don't give me anything. And he's like, yeah, it sounds like they give you what you ask them for. And he was pointing out to me that Mm. I was feeling all of this pain from one-sided relationships, but I was creating one-sided relationships uh, in the sense of I was setting myself up to be the one that always fixes, always takes care of, and I was kind of dehumanizing myself, you know what I mean? Wow, Um, And so I don't think that's what Jesus is doing at all in here, but that feeling of like nobody's there for me or feeling like all of my relationships were a lie because they were only about what I could do for them. I resonate with that deeply. Wow. And that's some, of, that's some of the closest, I think, you know, I talked about that idea of anguish of soul. Yeah. You know, it's not just physically painful, but you, it makes you sick. You just feel it in your soul, this almost like suffocating pain of, for me, that was like waking up to this reality. Like, I don't think any of my relationships go two ways. Yeah. Uh, and then when you try to start setting up relationships differently, that got, that was super painful. And it wow. was like, I'm doing the right thing and that doesn't work either. Yeah. Um, so there was, a, I mean, there was a, probably a good five-year chunk there, my late 20s and early 30s. Of, I mean, I'm in weekly therapy trying to figure out why am I doing relationships that create me so, create this feedback loop of pain and that anguish of soul. Man, okay. I'm glad I asked. Yeah. So, I mean, what about you? That, angu- that idea of anguish of soul, is that something you can relate yeah, to? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, relating to your, your first question, like, there's some too painful to mention. It was my first thought as I was meditating on that question is like, you know, I I can really see what Jesus means because when I think about anguish of the soul, and I don't know if maybe that's something that's spirit led, but a lot of it was attached to betrayal. Even some of my own, you know, like my own that would be hard to name. It's just like, wow. Um, You mean seeing stuff you had done where you were the betrayer? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Things done and myself like yeah. I was just like man because I remember experiencing that in my in my body even um but I you know being up front even right now this day uh I feel like 
the things that the Lord has called me to, the things that's transpired in my life and moving forward into, you know, what the next year is going to look like for me. Um, I mean, m mental, you want to talk about mental anguish, uh, physical, I carried it in my body. I, you know, I, <laughs> I embarrassingly say it, but like, you know, I've, I've carried like, I'm like, I have sweat pits, man. Like almost <laughs> every day from yeah. the feelings that yeah. I'm experiencing inside that I don't know what to do with. So even yeah. some of you sharing, sharing some of your story with that questioning, yeah. you know, really causes me to think about how I should handle it moving well, and forward. Some, and, you know, hearing stories like that or even just like your sweaty armpits or, you know, um, that's what really struck me about the story in the garden of yeah. Jesus. I can relate to a degree of what he's going through, but he's so wound up. He's so spun up about it that he's sweating blood. Mm. You know, there's a whole nother level of it that I can't even, yeah. I can't even relate to. Yeah. And I, and I think it really goes well with your, your second question. You said, how would you define the cup that Jesus was talking about? Yeah. For me, like when I think about it, and I think you said it actually best. So I'm, I'm going to kind of quote you, but it was like the, the, cup of human sin no one had to take that cup so we will never be able maybe to experience it to that degree that Jesus did yeah what about you yeah I mean I think it is you know it's a prime metaphor in the Old Testament of the wrath of God and so I think Je I think Jesus knew he was going to die because he predicted it over and over and over again um, but that experience of the wrath of God which I think is and there's a lot of scripture to come to this conclusion but is this experience of separation from the Lord or that break in communion with God. Where I think there was, and this is a bit speculative, but there was the sense of like, we would be together all the way to the end. And then here as he gets to the end, um, he's mm. experiencing the yeah. wrath of God, the judgment of God against sin, which entails in part, I mean, certainly physical suffering would come, but I think maybe most profoundly, this with, and I don't know what all this means, but a withdrawal of God's presence or a breaking of communion yeah. there. Um, and that's where I think, you know, one of the other questions in there was why is his death different? Um, yeah. You know, especially from martyrs, lots of people have died in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And I don't, none of us have experienced an eternity of fellowship as creator God, as Trinity, and what all that must mean. We weren't mm. there uh, before the foundations of the world, when the Spirit was hovering over the waters of creation, um, yeah. you know, and to, to try to imagine what would it be like. It's beyond thinking to be in that kind of intimacy. I feel like we're always just scraping the surface of intimacy in our best That's relationships, thinking, yeah. even with our marriages, where yes. it's like you're in counseling and you're reading the books and you've been together 15 years or whatever, yep. and you still have these moments of like, I, do I know you? Do you mm. know me? Or those kinds of things. And That's they right. never had that. And... To rescue these people he loved, Jesus had to experience some kind of, I want to be careful with my words, some kind of alienation or some kind of, you know, he experienced something that wasn't his to experience in the sense he didn't wow. deserve it. Uh, and so his death is completely singular. I mean, it's a, not the least of which because he rose from the dead, yeah. but what he was experiencing in his death, nobody else has had to drink the cup of the wrath of God. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think you said that really well, going to... Um, just the last question, but, but also thinking about how you said he, he wasn't surprised by it, but still heart, heartbroken yeah. is what you said in the yeah. sermon. Um, but just phrasing that question, how is, uh, how does Jesus's words, let us be going affect your view of God? Um, it was actually one of my favorite questions because as I 
got to listen to the sermon and, and the effect that it had on me and what it had me thinking. And even right now with the conversation you and I are having, um, it just makes me think about the gospel um, in its fullness. Yeah. Usually when I'm evangelizing or something, I go into, you know, God's design and what it was meant to be like and then the brokenness uh, in ourselves, out in the world. And um, every time I get to that point, I oftentimes have to reflect on where I'm at in my own life right now and how I ought to respond to this or yeah. things that, like, the words that are coming to my mouth are just, they're not a reflection of me at this moment in my life, yeah. you know? And and yet, though, God will still say that to us, yeah. Um, even in the midst of explaining that to someone. Yeah, I love that. I love how you said that. For a long time, for me, I I saw, I saw the gospel as being ultimately about God glorifying Himself. You know, yeah, so yeah. you know John He's Piper. gonna yeah. And I love John Piper. You know, yeah. like I'd be nervous if he was in the room with me. Or, you know, yeah, yeah, nothing no, but yeah. respect for him. Um, yeah, but I would have. I was thinking, you know, Jesus died on the cross to forgive our sins, to glorify God, and I think that's true. I just don't Absolutely. think that's the whole story. Yeah, because Jesus could have carried on to Calvary and done all of that and left his disciples in the garden, you know? But he says, you guys come with me still. Let yeah. us be going. And seeing that part of, part of God's mission is us, you know? That the ministry is people. It is God's people. It's not Amen. just this kind of abstract God be high and exalted, which he is and should be and will be, but there's also this real earthy aspect of, yeah. you know, <clears throat> part of the good news of the gospel or the two greatest commandments. You've talked about it a lot. Love the Lord your God and love one another. Amen. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it almost takes my breath away that tucked in there right at the end with his, you know, the disciples, Jesus still has blood on his face from sweating so and crazy. the disciples are like wiping their eyes off and he's like, let's go guys. Yeah, you know, get your sleep. It's so breathtaking. Yeah. Um, so it sees me, it helps me see God as more inviting, as more fatherly, um, more forgiving, uh, yeah. really desiring of us. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. The way you put that, it makes me think of, um, you hear, you hear it, this is a popular phrase, but like God has reconciled us with himself and with others, like the cross. They, yeah. You know, they tend to do that. And so you explained it well by saying that's not the only part of it. Yeah. Though, you know? It's an important part, and it's a true part, Amen. Um, but it's not the only part. Yeah. God's a creative artist, and he can do more than one thing in his tapestry kind of an idea. That's good. Yeah. Well, thank you, brother. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Good talking it. with you. Uh, thanks, guys, for stopping in and checking us out. Um, I did a poor job last week of getting on there and having a conversation with uh, some of the folks that commented back. So if you do comment back, I'm going to make it my point to, to talk back with you. So, yeah, answer some questions. Let's have some conversation. Um, hopefully we we'll see you soon. Peace and grace. Peace.